Tonight, I'm going to be teaching out of Romans chapter 15, verses 14 to 33. So if you want to open up your Bibles and make your way there, that would be awesome. Um, you know, it's funny, I was thinking Eric last week when he opened up, he, I believe he alluded to, you know, Balaam and, you know, how God used a donkey. And God certainly could have put a donkey up here tonight if he wanted to. And you would have gotten the truth of God's word. Guess what? Tonight you're going you're to learn more about how God uses the foolish things of the world. <laughs> you know, God is, God is so good and God is so faithful. And God has definitely uh, poured out his grace on my life as I've, you know, I've walked with the Lord for uh, close to 20 years now. And uh, it, it doesn't seem like five years, but 20 years, here I am. And uh, just, you know seeing how God has worked in my own life and just seeing his faithfulness, um, it, it just makes me ponder um, how good he truly is. Um, so without further ado, um, tonight, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not good at titling messages and <laughs> all that stuff. And I was like, you know what, I'm not going to title the message. I, I'm horrible at that. And people want to, you know, when we gather up in small groups at work or we have like role playing and stuff and team activities are all, you know, think of a team name. Jake, what's the team name? I don't know. I can't think of a name. I'm not that, you know, I'm not, it takes me a long time to figure things out like that. Um, but what was cool is, you know, as I finally got to the end of what I'm going to share with you tonight, uh, you know, God gave me the title of the message. And so the title of this message is How to Be Joyful in Service. And, uh, you know, tonight we're going to we're going to focus in on Paul's uh, ministry to the Gentiles. And we're going to learn about some of the characteristics of his ministry. Um, I know a lot of us in this audience uh, are involved. A lot of us here, we, we serve the Lord in, in one shape or form. And, you know, us as, as believers, we're Christians who are taught uh, and grounded in the Word of God, most of us here know the importance of of serving the Lord and the purpose for it. Uh, as I mentioned, we we know about the opportunities that are here at Refuge. You know, perhaps some of you even have been praying about um, or have that desire to uh, to serve the Lord more, to serve the Lord uh, mightily, uh, for Him to use you in a mighty way in your life, and I pray that you all would. But um, you know, there's times in, in our lives where maybe we feel like we're going through the motions. You know, I, I think at some point, maybe some of us, some of us do. You know, there are times where we don't really see any fruit uh, coming out of our lives. We're like, Lord, okay, I feel stagnant. I, I don't really feel like a, a just. I, sometimes I just don't feel like serving the Lord. You know, and you know, it's something that we have to to consider. You know, um, it. Sometimes discouragement creeps in. Sometimes it might be pain or discomfort. It may be discontentment. It may be lack of faith, lack of trust. And all of those signs point to one thing. And that one thing is we're human. Our flesh. Our flesh fails us. Our flesh is weak. And if anything, it points us, it points to the need for God and his spirit to work in our lives, the need for our hearts to be full 
of his spirit so that we can do good works, those things which he's called us unto. The Apostle Paul, you know, if there's anybody in the Bible aside from Jesus Christ himself, um, maybe in the New Testament at least, there's some great men in the Bible that God has used. Um, You know, the Apostle Paul is somebody whose life we can be, uh, you know, uh, reflectful of, mindful of, even in awe of. His life is certainly a cause for amazement. Um, You know, Paul was far from ordinary, and he was given the opportunity to do some pretty amazing things for the kingdom of God. And Paul's story is one of redemption in Jesus Christ. It's a, it's, it's, his story is, it goes to show that no one is beyond the saving grace of the Lord. So let's read Romans 15, verses 14 to 33. Paul opens up and he says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around till Ilricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but... As it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason that I have been so often hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to help and to be helped on my journey from there. I'm sorry. And to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them that what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessings of Christ. And I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in prayers to God and on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. 
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just come uh, before you, Father God. We know that we're two or more are gathered. You're there in the midst. And we thank you, Lord, that you inhabit the praises of your people, Lord. We know that you are here with us tonight. And I pray, Lord, that as we just look into uh, your word, Lord, as we spend time studying uh, your, your word, God, we know, Lord, that uh, your word will not bring void, Lord. Father, I pray for each person here tonight, each person listening, Father God, that you would just uh, minister to their hearts, Lord God. I pray that your word would just encourage our hearts, Father, that your truth would just penetrate the very depths, Lord, of our soul, and that you would bring us encouragement, that you would bring us refreshment, Lord, that you would even bring conviction, Father, for us to be changed, for us to be transformed and made more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we commit this time to you, and I ask these things in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, here in tonight's text, I want to share with you a little bit about the Apostle Paul's heart. Because it's something to be admired by all. It's maybe, I mean, we are shown the Apostle Paul's heart here in Scripture. And it's there for us as an example. And I pray that by the infinite wisdom of the Holy Spirit that we're able to glean off of what we read uh, in these pages tonight through Paul's example, and to be able to see and learn what God desires for each of our lives as we live out our faith uh, in the world that God has us living in today. So in verse 14, you know, Paul says that he himself was satisfied. Um, He's confident about you, speaking of his brothers uh, there in Rome that he's writing to, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct or able to admonish other translations, put it to teach one another, to instruct one another. Paul wrote to remind them, encouraging them to do what they knew was right. In verse 15, he says, but on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God. We see Paul's calling. In fulfilling this call, he didn't just preach the gospel of salvation, but he also instructed the believers how to live their lives before God. He spoke a lot to the believers about their conduct. He said, I've written to you very boldly. You know, Paul wasn't any man to hold anything back. You know, Paul was, Paul was real. Uh, and I can appreciate how God used uh, and inspired his words here in the Bible to teach our hearts, to instruct our hearts. And sometimes it's in a bold way. Sometimes it's in you know, a way that just brings conviction, but it brings conviction because it shows us that we need to change, that we need to change our ways, and that we need to you know, change direction. We're going one direction. Guess what? We need to change. We need to repent, turn the other way, Go the other direction. Make a 180, not a 360, and go back. You'll be going the same way that you, start, that you started, but making a 180, right? So Paul uh, you know, reminds them of that, how he's written to them before by way of reminder. But it, he says 
Here, here's why. It's because of the grace given to me or given to Paul by God. You know, as I mentioned earlier, Paul, what an amazing testimony this man had. We all know that Paul wasn't always called Paul, right? Well, he was once called Saul, and once he was called Saul of Tarsus. Uh, Saul of Tarsus, this was not a man of grace. In fact, he knew very little about grace. He was quite the opposite. He persecuted the church, and he sought to destroy the church. That was his uh, something that he was passionate about. Yet we know what happened in Acts chapter 9 where Paul encountered Jesus Christ face to face on the road to Damascus. He experienced the grace of God. It was God's grace that saved him and it was God's grace that called him and made him an apostle and made him a minister. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, Paul writes this. He says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Of this gospel, the good news, the message that God has given him, that God has given us, he made Paul a minister. The word for minister, the Greek word is a Greek word, Called that the Greek word is diakonos. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I think it's diakonos. But what it means, it's, it means one who executes the commands of another, especially of a master, a sergeant, an attendant, a minister. You see, Paul was a minister of God, his master, Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say um, in verse 8 that to me, to himself, Though I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light, or and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery of hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. You see, it was through the working of God's power, he says, which was given to me by the working of God's power. It was freely given. That was, that's God's grace. Paul considered himself the least, yet he was given the great responsibility to preach to the Gentiles about the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. Why? To bring light to God's mystery, all according to his eternal purpose through Christ Jesus. You know, this eternal purpose that Paul talks about here that he makes reference to is the same eternal purpose that God has for you and that God has for me. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works for which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God has a plan for you and I. He desires that you and I walk according to his will. And guys, we need to stay close to God's word. The only way that we can fulfill his calling in our life, his plan, is by staying rooted, by staying planted in the word of God. This is what a relationship with Jesus Christ is. It's spending time reading his word. This is how God speaks to us through his word. It's by spending time in communion and fellowship with the Son of God.
through the Holy Spirit. You know, as we spend time in prayer, seeking Him, you know, um, prayer, how much, how often we take prayer for granted. It's, <laughs> we could do it anytime, anywhere, any place, any position. But yet, how often do we do it? As we go into verse 16, we're going to really see the tone that Paul sets here for the rest of this packet passage. Um, so in verse 16, he writes, To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So I want you to take special note. In fact, if you have a pen or a highlighter, why don't you underline um, these words, minister, priestly service, offering, acceptable, and sanctified. Minister, priestly service, offerings, acceptable, sanctified. What does this speak of? This verse is filled with the language of priesthood. In fact, the word that is used here for minister is the Greek word letorgos. It means one who is busied with holy things of a priest. Its root word, it comes from the word liturgy. And I want to stress the importance of Paul's use of this word minister because the, he's using this word here in, in, a figurative, in a figurative sense. Paul could have used other words here to describe himself. In fact, we just read a passage in Ephesians where he said that he was called to be a minister. But guess what? That was a different word. That word was diakonos, which means a servant or a minister. Other words in the Bible that are used for the word minister is the word doulos, which is a common term which was indicated uh, to be a servant of Jesus Christ. But here, Paul is likening himself to a priest, ministering at the altar of God, offering up to God the Gentiles that he had won to Christ. The emphasis that he's giving here is on priestly service to God. What was his priestly service? It was the gospel. It was the gospel message that he was given to give to the Gentiles. You see, Paul viewed his missionary work like that of a priest offering worship to God. Think about that. Because it kind of changes how we take in, or it kind of changes, you know, how we receive what he is writing here in these verses about serving the Lord. Paul says that he is serving as a ministering priest of Christ Jesus, presenting the gospel as a priestly service so that Gentile converts would be an acceptable sacrifice to God. You know, the definition of a priest is really a minister of any religion. Whether it's true or false or good or evil, it's someone who is given authority to teach the sacred information and perform the sacred duties to preserve and bring that faith to others. I'm not going to talk about the other religions. I want to talk about the one true religion, Christianity, priestly service. When you hear the word priest, of course, you might think of 
anyone other than yourself. You might think of, you know, an image that comes to mind. Uh, maybe you were raised up in the Catholic Church and you think of the priest and you think of the color that he wore. Um, you think of someone who was set apart for service to God, right? Um, but anybody but ourselves. <laughs> if we think of ourselves as a priest, well, I know if you're a student of the word, I know that you know that the answer is yes. But um, truth of the matter is, is that we are priests. In fact, in 1 Peter 2, 5, Jesus, or Peter writes that we, believers, are a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God and through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 9, he says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We, you, the church, we as believers are a kingdom of priests. Think about that for a minute, because that's pretty heavy. If you think what a priest is called to be, is called to do. But it's because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. In Hebrews 10, 19 to 20, it's written that, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. You see, it's because of what Jesus Christ has done. It's about that perfect final sacrifice for which he died. Jesus Christ died for the whole sins of the world. And because he rose from the grave on the third day, now we have direct access to God's presence and we can approach God through the blood of the lamb. God's own son, his sacrifice is what allows us to enter into his presence. So Paul here is viewing his missionary work, this this work that God has called him to as a priestly service. Have I mentioned that? Well, I want, I want that to sink in because it's important for us to consider in our own lives. What is he offering? Paul goes on to say in verse 16 that he, that, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Let's put this into perspective. Here we have the Apostle Paul 2,500 years, 2,000 years ago, a little over 2,000 years ago, traveling throughout the Roman Empire. He wasn't driving around in a luxury vehicle with air conditioning. Mm -mm, Far from that. He was traveling mostly on foot. He was dealing with exposure. He was dealing with weather, dangerous conditions, threats all around him. He was beaten many times, dealing with rejection always, Yet, in his heart of hearts, Paul sees himself as a minister. He sees himself as a priest, clothed in priestly garbs, traveling in the known world, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, offering up the Gentiles, the souls of men, to the very throne of God. You know, it's said that how we perceive ourselves is how we determine to live our lives. You know, it's important that we realize who we are 
in Jesus Christ, positionally who we are in Jesus Christ. We are new creations. You know, when we put our faith in the Lord, God washed all of our sins away. We became, we became new, new creations. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, all that old is gone, forgotten. Imagine the self-perception, the confidence that Paul had because of who was living in him. Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You see, for Paul, his missionary life was extremely sacred. For Paul, even the smallest, most mundane tasks would have been holy. The lowliest of tasks would have been holy. Service unto the Lord. Everything that Paul did was to please God. His life and ministry were a priesthood. Well, you know, what an amazing example that is for you and I. You know, perspective changes everything, right? If we understand that what we do and why we do it, if we understand who we are in Christ and we understand that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives and he's called us to do good works and that he's prepared us and that he's living in us and that he's giving us the strength to do his will, man, we can do some pretty amazing things. If we understand that, our ministry and our service to God will change in a mighty way. You know, how do, how do we serve God? That's something that, that that's a question I asked, I, I had, I, that I faced myself as I was just reading through uh, this passage and just digging in here and seeing like just what these words meant and the truth. It's just, wow, okay, Lord, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, do I see things the way Paul saw things? Like we're reading about here. You know, do, how, how do we view serving the Lord? Do you have to be voluntold? <laughs> I mean, is it something that you say to yourself, oh, you know, well, I have to do this, or this is something I have to do, or the church needs me, or... You know, the church needs my talents and my gifts. Um, you know, do you serve God to see what you can get out of it? Well, I'm willing to bet that our lives would be transformed if we could see our services are serving the Lord in the way that Paul viewed his service. Like I said, even the lowest of things becomes holy. You know, there's plenty of opportunities plenty of things to do in the church to serve and to be a part of what God is doing I mean we're we're a body of believers we're a living organism we have various gifts that have been distributed to each person you might be sitting there tonight and saying well you know what that's good for you Jake you know I I see you doing this and that and hey great I'm happy for you but that's just not me No, it is you. (laughs) God has equipped you. God has given you a gift or gifts even. And he desires for you to use those gifts. Not for you, 
but for him, for his church, for the equipping and for the building up of the saints. You know, the littlest of things becomes holy, helping out a friend in need, helping out a neighbor even. Um, You know, a child loving on somebody in a way to show compassion, sharing the gospel. I mean, even Sunday school, you know, preparing for a Sunday school, school class, that becomes an offering up to God. Giving our best to God. You know, Malachi talks about um, the importance of priests and their offerings to God and how important it was for the priests to only offer to God that which was the best. And you know what? We too must serve the Lord with dedication and devotion, just as the priests did in the temple. There's no difference. Because, you see, this sacred view of life was a reality for the Apostle Paul. This view is what set the tone for his service. What an insight that is to Paul's ministry. In verses 17 to 19, we see Paul glorying and the work that God has done through him. Verse 17, Paul says, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud or reason to glory of my work for God. You see, Paul wasn't boasting in himself. He wasn't giving glory to his name. He was giving glory to God's name. Paul gave all the credit to God. He took no credit whatsoever. All the glory was given to Jesus Christ because he was the one who was doing the work in and through him. And through him, we saw that the Gentiles came to believe. We saw signs and miracles taking place through his ministry. He was able to travel 1,400 miles from Jerusalem to, to Ilricum, Ilricum. I have a hard time saying that, but that was the name of the city. Um, actually, that city is the area to the east of Italy, which is across the Adriatic Sea, sitting on the northern part of the Mediterranean. And it, it's, it was, it's formerly Yugoslavia and, you know, of, of recent, and now it's broken up into different countries, Croatia, Serbia, all those, all those countries. But Paul traveled quite, quite a distance, uh, 1,400 miles. That's like going from L.A. to Dallas. Can you imagine walking to, to Dallas, journeying? That, w- that would take a while. And you know, we all know the different types of weather conditions, the parched desert, the, the mountains, the storms that can come. Um, Paul dealt with all that, but it was all by the leading uh, of, of the Lord. And so the key phrase here in verse 17 is, in Christ Jesus. He's only speaking of the things that God did through him to bring salvation to the Gentiles. Galatians 6.14, it says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I like what D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says. He says, anyone who thinks he can live the Christian life himself 
is just proclaiming that he is not a Christian? How can we live the Christian life ourselves? It's impossible. We need Christ. We need the life of Christ in our hearts, living in and through us. You know, so much of our world today is about self. It's about how do I find success? How do I find, you know, uh, that contentment, that satisfaction in life? There are so many things, whether it be uh, monetary, money, fame, career, uh, material things, you know, that people are looking for. After all, we live in the selfie generation, right? Me, me, me. All you have to do is just open up any social media platform and you'll see what I mean. I'm not saying that selfies are bad. I like to take an occasional selfie. But I'm just saying, look where people's focus is, right? Self. What's in it for me? Look at me. Look what I have. Look what I'm doing. Oh, guard your heart. Be careful. Don't for one second think that you are something because you are doing something great for God. If anyone could boast, if anyone could glory, it's the Apostle Paul, right? But we see Paul, he was not bragging here. He had nothing to brag about his works. In fact, everything Paul said about his own works, his own achievements in life, were indeed rubbish, trash. Philippians 3.8, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. That he might gain Christ. Verse 18, Paul writes, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what... Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed or by what he has said and done. That's what it's saying there. Galatians 6.14. I read that already. Okay. Um, So we see that the Gentiles came to believe that, you know, Paul gave his life to serving the Lord. The fruit of his life was the salvation that was brought to the Gentiles. In verse 19, says that says that it was by the signs and wonders, by the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around the world, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. For what was it that gave Paul the power to minister? Who was it? It was the power of God. It was the power of the Spirit of God, he says here. And we know that signs and wonders often accommodated the preaching of the gospel. We see this, uh, you know, in the life of Jesus Christ as he went, uh, you know, as as he was here walking this earth. uh, He performed many miracles. Uh, There are many examples in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament. Miracles were not given so that people would believe, but so that the messenger and the message could be authenticated. So again, we see that Paul's passion, his one passion, was Jesus Christ. Christ was at the center, and Paul could only boast of him. You know, it's great to see the testimonies coming out of Haiti, just, you know, the, the report, the good report, that all that God is doing. Um, 
And, and that's an example just how we can boast in the Lord because of the work that he is doing, not only down in Haiti, but even in our own church as we see uh, just new families coming in uh, and growing and having a desire to just uh, to get plugged in and start serving. Wow. I mean, that, that's pretty awesome, you know. It's, it's a testimony to the Lord, hearing your testimonies of, of how God is working, uh, you know, in and through your lives, you know. And so we can share what God is doing in our lives. We can share the gospel as Paul did in word and deed. In word and deed. And you know what? You know, the miracle is this. You know, so we don't see as many miracles anymore, right? Is it 735 already? Wow, we don't, I got another half hour, no, city. <laughs> we don't see a lot of miracles going on in our lives, and um, it's, uh, okay, fine, but guess what the miracle is? The miracle is this, go look in the mirror, <laughs> it's your life. That's the miracle, a changed life. The people that knew you once before, before you came to Christ, or you started going to church, and you know, they're like, wow, what's going on with this guy? And you know what? We are, we're not all perfect. Sometimes we've, we've hit dry spots and we've hit, you know, uh, just times of, you know, where maybe we've even backslid. But I think ultimately time has told that we've come back and we've been faithful to God. Um, and so much depends, you know, on our walks. D.L. Moody said, more depends on my walk than talk. Some people have a lot of talk, but they can't back it up with, you know, the actions. <laughs> but as Paul shared here, in word and deed. Um, so Paul, verses 20 and 21, he goes on to say that he makes it his ambition, his goal, and his desire is to preach the gospel. It's what he strives to do. Um, you know, uh, there's just, there's just so, so much here. To, to talk about and to, to go and, and expand upon. Um, you know, but Paul was obsessed with being able to preach uh, wherever the gospel had not already been preached. Second Corinthians 10.16, he says that, so we can preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another area of influence. And so we, we read here in these verses that Paul had big dreams you know, he desired to go big because he served, he knew that he served a big God. You know, he wanted to go to Spain and he expressed that desire to, to the Romans here. He, he told them, yeah, I wish I could come see you. I want to come see you. I'm going to come see you. In fact, as, as I head to Spain, I'll stop off and I'll, and I'll visit. Um, you know, and Spain was uh, quite a travel as well. I mean, man, he's going all over the place. And, but it was his dream to one day get there, um, but he was hindered. Uh, it, it, uh, you know, it, there was opposition. There was, uh, there was a lot of uh, trials that he encountered along the way, but the main thing was is that he was taking the message of Jesus Christ. He was, he was serving the Lord. He was ministering. He was taking, you know, these missionary journeys, going and setting up, new churches, sharing the gospel. People were coming to faith. He wouldn't just stay there. And then he would leave. He would have guys around him and appoint people to stay and to teach and to help and to disciple and grow the church. Um, 
It, it was amazing. But, you know, ministry is, I'm going to conclude and kind of cut things short. I want us to consider ministry. I want us to consider our service to the Lord because I know that at times things can be consuming. Service can take up our time. In fact, uh, you know, Jesus Christ is our high priest, right? And we, as God's children, we are, we are priests. We are a kingdom of priests. In fact, let's, let's hold up the arms of, of our pastor, of, of our priest who leads us here. You know, I was just thinking, man, there's so much effort that goes into putting a, a message together, uh, not just one time a week, but two or three times sometimes. And, and it, it's a lot. And it's a lot when, you're, when you have to work and you have to provide for your family and you have uh, children to attend to and just all the things in life. Let's, let's, let's surround our leaders and lift their arms up and, and help them. You know, service, serving the Lord, it requires a lot of effort at times. It could be physically and mentally challenging. It takes a lot of energy at times. You know, there are other things that we can be doing, right? That sometimes goes through our mind. What is the cost of, of serving the Lord? You know, it might, I might have to sacrifice a day of riding the trails. You know, I can't always be out riding my bike. People some like, are you always on your bike? I always, that's all I see you posting is bike. <laughs> I like riding the bike. It's fun. But, um, you know, maybe it might cost you an afternoon at, at the golf course or whatever your hobby is. It might cost you that hobby, the time that you put into that hobby to serve the Lord instead. It will require sacrifice, but the reward outweighs that sacrifice. Go big like Paul. Step out in faith and serve God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. Amen? I'm going to cut it short. I don't want you guys, you know, I, I trust that, to, that God's word is going to encourage or is encouraging our hearts. And um, I encourage you guys to go and read the rest of this passage. Man, I made this a half an hour and wow, okay. Got to retool and rethink. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as you guys... Uh, Head out tonight and, you know, enjoy the time of fellowship here. Uh, to Pastor Raul and the guys, we love you. We're looking forward to uh, you being back here uh, so we can serve the Lord shoulder to shoulder and do great things for his kingdom. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, Lord. And God, we, just, we do glory, Father, in all that you do. We do boast in you, Lord Jesus, because of who you are. Oh, Lord, we do give you all praise and honor and glory. Father, you are deserving of all of our praise. And we just uh, come to you, Lord. We want to commit our our hearts to you, God. And I pray, Lord, that this message tonight would uh, have encouraged us, Lord, challenged us, uh, even uh, convicted us, Lord. Uh, I pray that we can view our service to you as a priestly service and the way that Paul viewed Uh, serving you, Father. I pray that we too would uh, serve you, Father, with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, and with all of our soul. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.